this might hurt a bit. It's a phrase full of troubling uncertainties from the might all the way to the bit. But those uncertainties are the ground from which grows the work of philosopher Jennifer Corns. Corns investigates the complexity of pain and suffering, how people experience, communicate and live with it. The area is full of juicy questions for any philosopher interested in metaphysics, the philosophy of mind or the philosophy of science. But it's also an area, she says, that promises very practical help in alleviating suffering. Culture Files' Anya Gallagher talked to Jennifer Corns about pain, the mind and the body. actually really helps for most people. If you look at something beautiful, that sort of thing can also really help too. If we hurt you somewhere else on your body, that can really help too. So there are all sorts of ways you can make the pain change, you know, externally that are pretty good across people, but then different people will have different things that also really affect their pain experiences and they'll experience it in a very different way, different degrees of intensity and also different degrees of unpleasantness. And that kind of variation and the way that pain has these different pieces that you could chunk apart, I find actually, you know, crucial to getting a better understanding of it and ultimately um, getting better treatment. My name is Jennifer Corns, and I am a lecturer at the University of Glasgow in philosophy. I was a philosophy student. I was interested in sort of everything, <laughs> which was a good thing, but it was also kind of a problem because, of course, um, in graduate school, you have to pick, you know, a particular <laughs> thing to do your, your PhD about. And I came across people who had the condition of pain asymbolia, which is a condition where people report pain, but they say they don't mind it or it doesn't bother them. Um, it seems like it doesn't hurt. And I was really fascinated by that, largely because it made me try to think about what pain could be <laughs> that you could have these people. Were these people really in pain if it didn't hurt? The reason that was philosophically interesting was because thinking about pain was a way to bring together different interests and all sorts of things. Pain is important, of course, ethically, because we care about causing pain, we care about treating pain. It's also important for thinking about the philosophy of medicine because pain is actually so difficult to treat. It's interesting because of metaphysics, because you're interested in the nature of the thing. It's interesting because of philosophy of mind, because it looks like a kind of experience, but at the same time, it also looks like something that's happening in your body. So that's quite puzzling. So actually, because I was interested in so many different kinds of philosophy, pain turned out to be um, this really fascinating um, topic where I could bring all the different kinds of philosophy to bear on this issue that actually you know, really has practical importance. The typical test uh, in pain research is that you put your hand in some very cold water. It's called the cold presser test. And you sort of wait, <laughs> keep it in there as long as you can. It's the way we test tolerance. And you also rate um, just how bad it is. So you say on a scale of 1 to 10, how intense is the pain, these sorts of things. And there is a separate measure for pain intensity. So how intense the pain is and pain unpleasantness. So how unpleasantness the pain is. So really it's, it's entirely subjective. But also I guess there's the thing about... Uh, what came before, so the experience that causes the pain. 
let's say you do like a bout of intensive exercise and then you have this discomfort afterwards. So if you're, if you remember doing the exercise, you will expect the discomfort and therefore it's, it's not painful. But if you don't actually remember doing it or, you know, let's say you just have this experience in isolation, then it becomes pain because you don't have the reference for it. Yep. So expectation matters a ton, I think, particularly in how unpleasant the experience is, but also how you interpret the sensation. So when you think about pain, I think it's important to keep at least those three bits apart. So there's the sensory component, the actual sensation, if you like, and then there's the unpleasantness or what usually gets called the affect. And then there's the cognitive evaluative bit. What's going on? This is awful. I hate this. This is scary, that sort of thing. And those three things all come apart and you can fiddle with them, if you like, independently. And they'll vary from person to person for different reasons in different ways. And that's part of why you get the diversity. So not only do you get diversity for each of those three things, but you get them the way those three things come together in different people. So to your point about expectation, (laughs) um, expectation looks like it's particularly strong in modifying affect, actually, the unpleasantness of the experience. So if I tell you something is going to um, really be awful, it's more likely to be awful (laughs) Um, and vice versa. And actually, you know, the placebo effect And on the other side, the nocebo effect are the clearest sort of cases of this. So for about 30% of people, if you have a headache, a sugar pill will do you just as well as a paracetamol. (laughs) For instance, if I tell you um, it's a paracetamol, and that's obviously something like um, expectation. So my favorite case for that um, is uh, what's called the dental fear case. Um, So some people are like terrified of the dentist, of course. (laughs) And if you're terrified of the dentist and you go into one of these sort of experiments, they'll take what looks like a drill and it sounds like a drill, it vibrates like a drill, but all it does is vibrate. So it's not actually going to cause any damage no noxious stimulation at all. And if I put that on your tooth, you will say it's extremely painful <laughs> and you'll call it pain and your experience will be as of pain, right? So you, you'll, you'll say that you have a pain experience, even though, of course, all that's going on physically is sensation-wise is just this vibration. And what's interesting about that, I think, is that if I explain it to you, what happens in these cases, if you explain to people, oh, this is just vibrating, I wasn't actually, you know, drilling here, then the next time you do it, even though they're still really scared, when they know that, then they no longer report it as pain, but they don't go back and say, and what I was feeling before wasn't pain. They still maintain that was pain, and now it's not. And you can have a pain experience, I think, even without any sort of damaging stimuli um, whatsoever. And so would that suggest then that the way we should really be trying to treat the majority of pain would be with the mind as opposed to medicine? I think when it comes to the treatment of pain, what we really need to do, and this is controversial, is look at the particular individual who's suffering. Pain, it turns out, is just really idiosyncratic. And that means our treatment, if it's going to be effective, also needs to be idiosyncratic. So you take the the report and you figure out which of the many mechanisms that might be best targeted are responsible in that particular case. And that's not an easy thing to do. University of Glasgow philosopher Jennifer Corns there and the reporter was Anya Gallagher. And you can hear the second part of that conversation next time on Culture File.